Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. somebody asked me about a year ago they're like so did you just shut the building down and I was like yes yeah, this new thing called COVID probably a week or two at most I'll see you back at Easter it's only taken a year but we'll see you back at Easter feels pretty good babe my gosh you are the classy part of our relationship for sure say hi to everybody would you pray for us Happy Easter, Red Rocks Church! It is so fun to see you here in the room. If you couldn't make it to the room, know you are just as much loved. And it is just, you can feel the yeah. presence of the Lord in this place. I love it. And I love, like, we set ourselves up just with those words of that song already. We see hope rising, joy rising, Come on. chains falling. Like, we've set yeah. ourselves up. By, by speaking it with our mouths to see God do something special and new. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm gonna pray, it's my honor to pray, and then we'll hand it over to this guy and have an amazing, amazing Easter together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this moment in time where we can get together as a group, where we can get together outside this room, where we can be in our homes and where we can just honor you for the price you you paid for us out of your great love for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you humbled yourself and you took on the form of a human man and you came and you lived among us and you were obedient. You were obedient to God and you, you even allowed yourself to die a gruesome death on the cross and we thank you for that, God. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you're real. We thank you that we can have a personal relationship with you. Yeah. And Father, today we just, we just open our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to speak to us. I pray that you would... Uh, remind every single person who's listening that you haven't forgotten them. You see them. You know them personally and you're crazy about them. And I just, I pray, Lord God, that we would sense your love. I thank you that you are our soon coming King. We will see you. We will see you one day and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I tried to kiss her on the lips backstage. She was like, mm mm, lipstick. <laughs> Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you're in person, we're so glad you're in a building. 
If you're in Brussels, Belgium, or one of the Denver campuses, or Austin, Texas, or one of the best three campuses, our God Behind Bars campuses, men and women, we love you so much. We're so glad you're with us. Never forget, it is not the presence of a building that will change your life today. It's the presence of our God, and he's with you right now, no matter where you're watching from. So we're glad you're with us. Littleton Campus, we are the voice today. Can you make some noise? Can we say hi to every other location? All right, let's get into this. The very first Easter Sunday morning looked like this, and I want you to picture it as I read. And if, if you were here at the beginning of service, I don't think you're going to have a hard time picturing it today because our creative team went above and beyond, did they not? Was that just dope? Carson and Co. killed it. Ben, come on. That was amazing. Picture, picture Mary on this first Easter Sunday. No clue what's going to happen. She's going to the tomb to pay her respects because on Friday she saw him publicly executed and she knows where he was buried and so she's got her spices and she's going to go pay respects. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, it's not actually her last name. Uh, I, I said this at one of the earlier services, and I thought a bunch of people would laugh, and then I realized no one laughed because everyone thought it was her last name. That's not actually her last name. I thought that was for her last name forever. It has nothing to do with the Easter message, by the way. I just think it's interesting. She's actually from a place called Magdala, and if you're from Magdala, you're called a Magdalene. Like if you're from Nazareth, you're called a Nazarene. So it's Mary from Magdala, Mary the Magdalene, and it got shortened to Mary Magdalene, and doesn't really matter, so let's keep reading. <clears throat> Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running, picture it, she's running back, running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've put him. Can you picture it? You've got to picture the fact that she doesn't know the parts of the story that we already know. See, she doesn't know what we now, 2,000 years later, know, which that the body wasn't MIA. No one was playing a prank. Jesus wasn't missing. No one had stole the body that the King of kings and Lord of lords proved he was the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven that morning and stepped up out of the grave. He is risen, Red Rock Church. You can make some noise about that. And if you have a Bible with you, no matter where you're at, would you go to John chapter 20, whether it's a paper Bible, phone Bible, whatever it is, go to John chapter 20. We're going to primarily be there. I'll hop around, but you don't have to follow me everywhere. But in John chapter 20, John not only tells what happened this morning, but then he describes Jesus appearing to three different groups of people, and we're really just going to focus on Mary today. Today is all about going through the Easter, the very first Easter experience through the eyes of Mary. But John talks about three different appearances that Jesus makes. And then the very last verse of John chapter 20, he says, I want to make sure you understand why we're doing this. I don't want you to miss the point. And, and let's be honest, it's easy. The, Easter's tricky, right? Because this is the one service, maybe Christmas Eve would be the other one. This is the, there's a couple services a year when you come to church and you kind of already know the story, right? And so I noticed like 
This week, our entire staff was praying, and Tyler was leading the team in a prayer, and Tyler was like, God, for those of us who have been in church for a long time, help us not to miss the point, because it's easy to come here, especially if you're a church person, because you're like, well, I know the story, right? Like, been there, done that, got it. Like, like I didn't say the tomb was empty in that verse, and very few people watching around the world went, Janet, get this. You're never going to believe it. No, we know. So if you're a church guy or girl, you kind of go, eh, I hope this does something for the new people, but you know, I've been there. And if you're one of the new people, you're like, I don't know what these freaks are doing. I hope it's fun for them. It's not for me. And so if we're not careful, everybody will miss the point. John says, don't miss the point. It's not just about eggs and dinners and church services and clapping. There's, there's something greater going on. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and that by believing, here it is, you may have life in his name. He said, don't miss the point. You're supposed to not just clap for Easter and have dinners for Easter and celebrate Easter. You're supposed to actually think about what it means, apply it to your life, and live. Live differently in the here and now. Live differently with God forever. It's supposed to change the way we live. But if we're not careful, we miss the point. A couple weeks ago, I was in the gym, and uh, it was leg day, right? Nobody likes leg day. Mike, you don't like leg day. Nobody likes leg day. Mike's like, I love leg day. What's up, bro? Um, I don't like leg day. In fact, I have, I have been going to the gym for the last several years pretending I don't even have legs. I don't like leg day. Um, I've had three knee surgeries. I've blown my ACL three times, once in high school sports, once in college sports, and once in Red Rock Church League basketball. That one was a humbler, all right? I'm just going to be honest. It was like, okay, time to hang it up. I went to do legs after my third ACL, and my knees hurt so bad, I was like, this is too uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. So my theory with leg days has been like once or twice a year, whether I need it or not. That's kind of been my... So, so Conrad and Josh, Conrad is your gigantic campus pastor who was just up here a minute ago. Conrad was over at my house recently, and he's like, bro, you really need to get leg day incorporated into your regular routine. It's not just about strong legs. He's like, man, it's releasing all this testosterone into your whole body, and it's doing all... And I'm looking at Conrad going, it must have worked for him. And so, and the truth is, I kind of feel guilty because I kind of know deep down inside I probably should do it, and so now leg day is a part of my routine. So I go in the other day, and all the squat racks are taken. And I'm like, I hear you, Lord. Leg day's not from you. And then I looked at my what would Conrad do bracelet, and I was like, ah, uh, he would do a different exercise. So I go over to the leg press, and if you don't know, the leg press is this thing where you sit, you, your butt's on the ground, and your feet are in the air, and you push up, and they stack 45-pound plates on each side of it. And I walk up to the leg press, and there are plates on this thing. And I'm like, man, some big old boys on this machine. I'm not going to get in his way. And I'm like, I wonder where he's at. And all of a sudden this girl about half my size who can barely see over the leg press hops on and finishes her last set. 
effortlessly, uh, I might add, and she realizes I'm waiting on the machine. And so you know how like we're all getting really good at, at communicating with our eyes right now, right? Because this is all covered up. And so she gives me this look like, that means you want me to leave all this weight on there for you. That's what that meant. And I was like, She starts taking the plates off real loud, like, like making a public statement, like, hey, everybody, taking weight off for the wiener boy. <laughs> like, it was, it was a deal. We knew, we both knew that statements were being made. And now I feel stupid, and now I'm like, everyone in here is definitely videoing this and posting it, and, I, and I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking, man, why, I, I feel so stupid, and I feel insecure, and of course I'm not very strong at this, because I don't do it very often, and, and I got questions, like, why is she so strong? <laughs> Why is she doing legs on Monday? No one does legs on Monday. Everybody knows that. It's my day. I picked Monday. Why is she showing me up in public? Why is the leg press in the middle of the gym so everybody sees what you do on? Like, I got questions. I wake up the next morning, and I'm not kidding. Guys, I worked out so hard trying to keep up with her, and, and I couldn't. And I get out of bed, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. And the worst thing, I looked down at my legs. I was like, they don't even look any different. <laughs> like, what's the point? And I was thinking about that this week. And I thought, I wonder how many people are coming to one of our services for the very first time this weekend feeling the exact same way. I'm not a church guy. I'm not a church girl. A couple times a year, whether I need it or not, that's my thing. But the truth is, somebody said they thought it would be good for me, and they invited me. And kind of deep down inside, I feel a little bit guilty because I probably should. It's probably good. But then I show up, and I feel like everybody's looking at me and, and, and watching me and judging me. And of course, I'm not, I didn't even know what to wear. I didn't know what I was supposed to bring. Like I feel a little insecure. And of course, I'm not that good at this. I'm not that strong. I don't do this very often. And I got a bunch of unanswered questions, and, and now I feel stupid too. So at the end of the day, what's the point? possible. John says, the point is not the service. This is great. This is a celebration. You're going to experience the presence of God. I've prayed that during this service, God would literally change some of your lives forever. But John said, don't miss the point. The point is receive what the resurrection does. Receive what it has to offer. Let it soak into your soul. Apply it to your life and actually live differently because of it. That can happen. That's the point. John says, and here's the title of this year's Easter, because of Easter, everything has changed. And, and side note, if you're in one of our buildings, you're not being judged right now because this is not a courtroom. This is a hospital for the sick and the broken, and that's all of us. So no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad it's got, no matter what you believe today in this place, you're going to be loved and welcomed and valued and accepted, and we've already been praying for you, so welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. All right, let's get into this interaction that Mary's about to have with the resurrected Jesus. We're going to start reading in verse 11. Go ahead and throw that up. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Leave that for a sec. Understand, if you don't understand the context of what she's been going through the last couple of days, you kind of miss the drama here. Her world is rocked. It's turned upside down, and it's more than my friend was murdered. 
It's more than Jesus died and I loved him. It's more than that. That's horrible in and of itself. It's more than that. See, you might know this, you might not, but back in Jesus's day, it's not uncommon for, for Jewish leaders to come along every now and then and they'd be like, hey, I'm the one. I'm God's chosen one. Come follow me. And maybe they had some charisma. Maybe there was just something about them. But people would literally walk away from their jobs and their families and their friends, and they'd sacrifice everything to go follow this man that said he was from God because he's going to rebuild our kingdom. He's the chosen one. He's worth sacrificing my life for. And they would follow him. And you know when every one of those movements ended? When the guy died. And everyone went, well, can't be God if he died. And he died. So we got duped, and now our entire life is upside down because I gave up everything to follow this guy. That's where Mary's at. She left everything to follow this guy. And, 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 and she also used a lot of her own resources. Mary was one of the people who actually funded the ministry of Jesus. She sacrificed everything in this world because I believe you're God, and I believe you're going to change the world. And then on Friday night, he died, and her whole world came crashing down. Kind of like we have felt for the last year in many respects. Everything that we thought was going this way all of a sudden started going this way and our whole world went, right? She's rocked. That's why she's crying. She's outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white. Try to see it. She sees two angels inside the tomb. What? In white, seated where Jesus's body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, now, if I'm Mary and I read this for the very first time, I'm gonna be like, John, bro, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> you didn't have to tell the world I thought Jesus was a gardener. That was supposed to be between us. Not cool. Thinking he was the gardener, thanks, John. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, listen, he's, he's about to change her entire life. The creator of the universe is about to call her by name, and it's going to change her life. And I'm telling you right now, whether you've never been in church, you've been in church a million times, when you start to feel your heart start to flutter a little bit today, that little tap on the shoulder, that little thing going on in your heart and your soul, that's the, that's the creator of the universe today calling you by name because he wants to do something in your life today. Expect that to happen. So he, he says to her, he calls her by name, Mary. Boom. When she hears the creator of the universe call her by name, she turned to him and she realizes all of a sudden, oh my gosh, and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then she goes and she grabs his feet and she begins to worship and her whole world 
is changed, is flipped upside down. And my, my goal for us as a church family today was to go, okay, she went through some life-changing things because we're gonna see that in a minute she's gonna walk away with great joy. She goes from anxious, depressed, sad, hopeless, confused, scared, rocked, to running with joy. And we're gonna see it, it's what she realized that Easter was all about that would be the difference. And so I wanna, I wanna try to go through this experience from her point of view this morning. And so I'm thinking, what's, what's the first thing that I think when I see Jesus, when I hear him call my name, what's the very first thing that goes through my mind? And I think for me, it's the obvious. It's the, he's alive? OMG, face with the big eyes, face with the big eyes, face with the big eyes. You're not gonna believe this. And instantaneously, she begins to understand, wait a second, if he's alive, then I didn't get duped. We didn't get duped. He is who he said he was. He is the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. And he can forgive me and change me and give me heaven forever. This changes everything if he's alive. Because if he's not alive, the whole thing was a joke. If he's alive, he's exactly who he said he was. See, the resurrection validates everything Jesus said about himself. But here's what we got to understand in 2021. The resurrection validates everything the word of God says about you today. Oh, and when you start to understand this, I'm telling you, church, it's going to change things. Because let's be honest, I don't have to, no matter what country you're watching this from right now, I don't have to explain to anybody what we've been through over the last year. There's nobody watching this that hasn't felt some confusion, that hasn't felt a little bit lost, a little bit concerned. And, and a bunch of us, right, anxiety's through the roof and depression's through the roof and financial troubles are through the roof and relational problems are through the roof. Like a bunch of us have really felt it, but nobody has gone through this thing unscathed. And what you need to know is, is when you read what the word of God has to say about your life, it's not fancy church talk. It's not wishful thinking. It's not self-help techniques. It's the creator of the universe making you promises about who you are. And he validates these promises through the resurrection of Jesus. So I can take them. I can build my life on them. I can stand on that foundation. I can put my head up and my shoulders back and go, yes, I can. Because this is who my God says I am. But you got to know this, all right? Get out your phone at every location. I want you to take a screenshot. Go ahead and put those verses up if you would. I know some of you are scrambling. This will be online later if you miss it. If you're watching on a device at home, take a screenshot real quick. I love to do this because... Again, I don't want this to be an hour-long clap session and then we leave and nothing changes. I want you to have some artillery to fight against Satan this week because I promise you, he won't stop trying to steal, kill, and destroy. You can take those down. If you missed it, you gotta rewind. <laughs> Satan is in the game, the life-ruining business. Like, you know that, right? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest, but Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to do in our life. And he doesn't stop. He doesn't take a day off. And we need to have some artillery. We need to be able to fight back. That's why I want you to have these. I'm going to fly through these, but this is what I do on a personal level, and it's what I'm challenging you to start doing this week for yourself. On the days when I'm struggling, on the days when I'm hurting, let me tell you, I literally just used these this week. I was in my basement getting ready for this weekend and my mind started messing with me. I started to, to realize like, whew, a couple people are gonna be watching this week. 
Not a good week to suck, bro. 150 plus countries. Whew, okay, just breathe. Just breathe. That's, there's no pressure. Just Like I started feeling it and I started getting like all this kind of nerves and my, I started losing my joy and I was like, oh, no, no, you don't, Satan. I pulled these 10 verses out, put them on my ping pong table and said, here we go. I'm a child of God. I don't have to worry about the lies you're putting in my ear. The creator of the universe is my dad. And my dad's stronger than you and anybody you know. He loves me on the days I don't love myself. He chose me for this. He accepts me. I'm forgiven. I have a purpose. He called me. I didn't call myself. He called me Satan. You're in trouble, bro. I'm an overcomer. I happen to have the spirit of God living inside of me, the same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave. I'm more than a conqueror. My God is with me. He'll never leave me. He's working when I, even when I don't understand how. And for my God, nothing is impossible. I guess I'm going to go ahead and walk in my calling today. That's what I want you to do, church. And I don't, I don't want you to, I want you to have a newfound excitement and confidence when you read the word of God because these promises were validated when Jesus Christ stepped out of that tomb, I'm telling you, church, because of Easter, everything is different. The second thing I think Mary would have went, what? He's not just alive and like out there somewhere. He's alive. And he came to be with me, just me, on my worst day in my worst anxiety, in my worst depression, when I'm hurting the most, when I feel like I have the least amount of faith, when I'm, when I'm a shell of the person I want to be, he still came to be with me. Like when you realize God's doing that for you right now, it'll change things. Last month, me and Jill went through a, something that was just new to us. We watched our son, Ethan, play his very last ever high school basketball game. And, it, you know, for us, it's like the end of an era. And we're driving to the game, and we kind of knew, like, this could be the last game. And I'm thinking back, going, how did we get to this point? Because I feel like it was just yesterday when he was three years old, and I was his coach. Go ahead and put that picture up. That was Ethan's first ever basketball game. And, and man, we just played and played and played and played, and I blinked. It, literally, one day I just blinked, and all of a sudden, this was my son. He wasn't my baby anymore. He's this, he's this little, little skinny boy, and man, he loved basketball. And all he wanted to do, I'd try to, he'd play other sports occasionally, but year round, he just wanted to keep playing basketball. He just loved it. And again, I don't know how it happened. Babe, we blinked. And me and Jill took this picture with Ethan during his last regular season game this past year. And I'm like, how did that happen? How'd it go so fast? How'd some of the days feel so long? <laughs> and the years went. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. So we're driving to this game, and we don't know if it's going to be the last game or not. But they're, it's in the, they're in the playoffs, and they're playing a team that's ranked a lot higher than us, so we're very aware it could be. Well, we have seen senior parents for the last three years watch their kids play the last game, and they're all emotional, and they're all, eh, and I'm like, it's a high school basketball, bro. Lock it up. <laughs> and I told Jill, out of the blue, I'm driving to the game, like, you know what, babe? <laughs> I'm not going to cry tonight. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'll tell you, one thing that's not going to happen is I'm not going to cry. I'm not a crier. I'm not a crier. 
Jill's like, uh-huh. She goes, well, I'm not gonna cry either. And she meant it. We get to the game. I'm good, the whole game. In fact, in between each quarter, we'd ask each other, we're like, you okay? You okay? I'm an oak. I'm great. Locked down. Fourth quarter. This is nothing. Nothing. I don't feel a thing. Everything's great. The horn sounded, and my heart just like, it just sank a little bit. I'm like, I'm all right. I can take this. I'm a big boy. It happens. It's life. Until I looked across the court, I see my son, and he sits down on the bench. I could tell he's starting to tear up. And my son doesn't cry at anything. Like, he almost died of malaria. He was in ICU for a week. He didn't cry. I cried every day. He didn't cry once. Like, he doesn't cry. And as soon as I saw him crying, just, I lost it. And then one of his friends came over, and, and they stood up, and they hugged each other. And, and teenage boys, they don't hug anybody. You know what I mean? They, they, they hugged. They didn't. They hugged and held it, and both of them were crying. And I've literally, I've watched them grow up together playing basketball since they were kids. And I just lost it. And I just got up. I'm like, that's it. Jill's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to get Ethan. (laughs) Well, you can't. It's COVID. The rules are crazy. We can't even be on the same side of the court as the boys. We have to be on this side of the court in the upper section. Only me and Jill can be the only people in our family to go to the game. We have to stay way up high, masks on, can't go by the court, can't go by the players. We can't even come in the same door as the team, like everything. There's rules. And, and what, I, what I realized is, is, guess what? Right now, I want to be with my boy because he's hurting, and the rules just don't apply to me. And so I'm walking across the court, and this lady, the security guard of the playoffs, she's like, sir, sir. She had, I don't know what, sir. I was like, yo, boo, you're going to have to tase me and shoot me. Sir, me, I'm going to get my boy. And I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know what to say, but I just walked over to him, and I could tell the other kids were like, I don't think he's supposed to be here. And I'm like, shut up. And I just put my arm around my son, and I remember like, I didn't know what to say, Eve, but I was just like, I just want you to know I love you, and I'm proud of you. And um, it's so dumb, but I'm like, I'm, I'm here. That's all I knew to say. And I was texting with my friend Chad, and I was telling him about that experience, and he goes, yeah, that's tough, but he goes, you know what was cool is you were with him every step along that entire journey. He said, it's called being a dad. Because you've been there. I think in this, these two passages I'm about to read, I think this is, God's, this is God's way of saying to us today what Jesus said to Mary that day, which is, I know life gets really hard sometimes, and you feel alone and confused and scared, and you feel like nobody cares. I know what it feels like to have so much anxiety and depression going on inside of here that there can be people all around you, and you still just feel alone, like nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm suffering alone, and in the name of Jesus, I want you to understand, no, you're not. The creator of the universe will not leave you, will not forsake you. He's right here with you, walking with you. He'll pick you up and carry you if you can't walk on your own. That's what Jesus was showing Mary, and this is, this is how God says it to us today. He said, I'm convinced neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing in creation. The worst mistake you've ever made. The best thing you've ever done. The worst mistake you've made one million times. It doesn't really matter. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I love you so much. I'm with you right now. And you couldn't get rid of my love if you tried. That's a promise. And it's validated by the resurrection. It's not wishful thinking. He says, I know how you feel. I know sometimes you make so many mistakes or you stay away or you stay silent or we get separated somehow and you don't feel close and you're on a path and you make and you got to go through a season and you feel like, well, I'm probably just done with you. I'm probably fed up with you. I know how you go through those seasons. So let me reiterate, I will never, how often, when, what will, never, I will never leave you or forsake you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I know it's tough. I'm with you right now. I'm not going anywhere. You couldn't get rid of me if you tried. That's good news, church. The resurrection changes everything. She would realize God is alive. God is with me. And she's about to find out. And my God has a plan for me, even though I would never believe it for myself. Jesus said, don't hold on to Remember, She started grabbing his feet to worship. Don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the father. Go ahead and put that up. Okay, I'll read it. Okay, good. <laughs> Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead. Leave it right there. God, Jesus is about to tell her, I got a plan for your life that Mary would never believe possible for herself. Isn't it interesting how sometimes you can have all the faith in the world for somebody else, but if you're really true, put you on a polygraph test, you have very little faith that God wants to do anything in your life. You have very little faith that God would ever do something big in your life because I got a bad past and I make a bunch of mistakes and I'm not one of those church people and I'm just not good like that. He wouldn't have those kind of plans for me. That's what Mary would think. God's not supposed to have big plans for Mary, especially not in spiritual matters. In that day and age, she's a woman. No one gave them any credit. No one, there were certain times and certain places where women couldn't even testify in court. You could see a murder happen and we can't listen to your testimony because you're a woman. You can't be trusted. They push him aside. They push him down. Jesus said, that's not the way I treat women. Come here, Mary. I got, I got a plan for you. She, she wasn't supposed to have a future in spiritual things. She was a woman. Many theologians believe she was a prostitute. Well, if you're a prostitute or a tax collector, you can't even come to church back then. We can't even be around you because your uncleanliness will transfer to me, and then I wouldn't be able to go worship. So you can't even be around me. We can't even be near each other. Nobody wants you, especially God. You're out. That's what everybody would say. And what we do know, and you can read about this for yourself, is when Mary met Jesus, he had to cast seven demons out of her just so she could start to walk with him. You think you got a past? You got an eight demon past? Like, probably not. Even if you do, remember that last verse was, there is nothing that is impossible for my God. But most of us got bad pasts, and it's still not eight demon pasts. Like, if you've had seven demons cast out of you, you've been through some stuff. You've seen some. You've got one of those pasts that everybody who knows you goes, they'll never find God. 
They'll never come to God. Just now, not them. That's impossible. God could never use them. God could never use me. Jesus said, oh, you've got a really bad past. Oh, you have a lot of self-doubt. Oh, you're imperfect and broken, but you want to put your faith in me? You're just my type. Let's go change the world together. He's got a plan for her that she would never believe. Here it is. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. Mary, the Magdalene, went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The cornerstone of our faith is that Jesus Christ came up out of the grave on that very first Easter Sunday. The testimony of that event had so much physical evidence behind it that it couldn't be refuted. And it went global. Like billions of people today with a B have put their faith in the fact that Jesus Christ has come up out of the grave and the physical evidence could never be refuted. There's so many people who saw it, even though it sounds crazy, so many eyewitnesses, it could never be refuted. And I've had a personal experience where I've just felt him myself. I believe it happened. I want to follow him. That has happened by the billions of people around the globe. And the whole movement got started on the testimony of Mary from Magdala. And she's not supposed to have a spiritual future. She had so much spiritual destiny. God had so many plans for her life that 2,000 years after she's died, we're still talking about her. That's a legacy, church. That's what, that's what God wants to say to some of you today. I know you think you got a crazy past. You think you've made too many mistakes. And you think I'm fed up with you because you haven't gotten perfect yet. Well, guess what? Nobody gets perfect until heaven. You are my son. You are my daughter. I'm alive. Listen to my promises. I'm with you right now. And I got a plan for your life that's going to blow you out of the water. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, no matter what your past looks like. And the last thing Mary would realize real quick is, Wait a sec. He's been in control the whole time. He knew he was going to do this. I read Matthew this week just three times in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, I'm going to go here. I'm going to die. They're going to murder me. I'm going to let them. I'm going to come back to life on the third day. And it always ends with the disciples didn't get it. And we laugh, but it's because we know the end of the story, right? They had so many dreams for their Savior about rebuilding the kingdom. They had so many, so many uh, expectations of what he was going to do, and they thought they understood how he was going to do it, that a death makes no sense. It means they were all duped. I reject that notion. But all of a sudden, Mary goes, wait a minute. He told, I didn't have to freak out. I didn't have to go through all that anxiety and depression. I didn't have to emotionally crumble. I could have been okay knowing my God has been in control the entire time. I just didn't see it. Come on, how many times in your life have you gotten through something, right? And then you get to the other side and you look back and you go, that's what he was doing, right? And, and, then, and then the that's what he was doing turned into some of the best things that have ever happened to you your entire life. Isn't that true? 
That's what Mary's starting to realize all of a sudden. Oh my gosh, he had a plan and he was in control the whole time, which means he's in control from here on out, which means good days, bad days, situations go bad, job goes bad, schools shut down, churches shut down, finances change, job changes, relationship changes, whatever it is. I don't have to be rocked because I'm not on that foundation. I'm on this foundation and he's in control the whole time. And this is not fancy church talk. And bands, you can come up. This is not fancy church talk. I'm, I've, I've I watched this happen nonstop because of what I do for a living, but you've seen it happen in your own life. But I couldn't help but notice it last week as I was watching Conrad, the campus pastor here at Littleton, preach. I, I, our campus pastors at all four Denver-based locations preached the word last week. And guys, I love you so much. This church is not what it is without you. In fact, can you make some serious noise right now for your campus pastor at your campus right now? Come on, CP. I love you guys. I love getting to do this with you. But I introduced Conrad, and I said his testimony, which is 11 years ago, he came to Red Rocks Church, experienced the presence of God, and gave his life to God. Well, 11 years ago, he didn't have a clue what God had in store for him. He didn't have a clue what God was doing. In fact, I guarantee there were many days, many weeks, many months where he was like, God's not doing anything in my life. I guess he's just forgotten me. I guess I don't matter anymore. God doesn't have a plan for me. I was like, I wonder what, what were we doing 11 years ago? I texted BZ this week. I said, BZ, where were we at 11 years ago? Like when Conrad was getting saved. And he goes, oh, remember our whole leadership team? We were in Dallas at that pastor's roundtable. That, that's where we felt like God spoke to us and told us not to go raise a bunch of money and build one gigantic church, but to stay cheap and stay scrappy and find a bunch of cheap buildings around town with big parking lots and become this thing called a multi-site church. Remember, God changed our whole direction. That's what God was doing for us. And then we, remember, we came back here and, and, and God started doing miracle after miracle just to allow us to take possession of this Littleton building and then to be, actually become the owner for no money down and miracle after miracle. Remember that? And all of a sudden it hit me. Wait a second. Get this. Conrad's over here giving his life to God in a theme park. I mean, you want to talk about something that sounds suspect, just saying. The exact same time, God's got a group of pastors in Dallas, Texas, going, I need you to change and do everything completely different than what you were planning. You're not going to build one church. You're going to be multiple churches. You're going to have positions that you didn't even know existed called campus pastors because one just gave his life to me, and I'm preparing him. And in 2021, they're going to meet on this stage that God has spent the last 11 years building. And Conrad stood right here and preached the word of God to over 150 countries. Come on! He was in control the whole time, and I need you to understand that about your situation. On the days when you feel it and on the days when you don't. On the days when you think you got a vision of the future and on the days when you don't. Would you put those four statements up? Listen, Matthew writes about Mary visiting the tomb and says, when she ran away from the tomb, she ran away with great joy. She goes from depressed and anxious and scared and lonely and confused to running, sprinting with great joy. Why? Because she decided, I get to decide what I think about. 
I get to decide what I focus on. And instead of focusing on my emotions and the things that aren't the way I thought they would be today, I'm going to focus on these. Because guess what? On my worst day, my God is alive. My God is with me. My God has a plan for my life. And he's in control the whole time. I'm going to put my shoulders back, my head high. Yes, I can. My God's got this. Guys, because of Easter, everything has changed. And so we're going to wrap this service up. I'm going to ask Corey to sing a song. And I want you to just stay seated as he does. Here's what I want you to think about. Is there something right now that I need to let go of so that I can receive what God has for me today, what Easter means? Here's what I mean. When I was 24, I went to a church service for the first time since I was a little kid. And I was holding on to all kinds of stuff. Just let, let my fists be, be like my soul right now for a second. They represent my soul. I was holding on to all kinds of things when I went to that church service. I grew up my whole life hating God because I had a really tough upbringing and I blamed him for the whole thing. I'm mad at God if I believe he's even there and I'm holding on to that. And then my mom got involved in a church, in a church when I was a little kid and they did some things that really hurt her. So you know what? Now I don't like God and I don't like church people. I don't like church, I don't like church people, I don't like God, I don't like any of it. And I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I'm not going to be like those hypocrites, and I'm holding on to all of it. Yeah, of course the unforgiveness and the bitterness, of course it destroys me from the inside out, but at least I feel like I'm in control while I hold on to it. And so I'm sitting in this service at age 24, and I start to feel the presence of God, like something in my heart, and I'm going... What is this? And I knew it. I knew what it was. The creator of the universe is trying to get my attention right now. And somehow I just understood in that moment, I can either hold on to this or I can grab onto what God has for me, but I can't do both. And I remember sitting there in a seat just like what a lot of you are in right now. And I remember thinking, this feels weird. This feels scary. Okay, God. I'm desperate. Like, I was a week, a week past a, a, a suicide attempt. Like, I was a mess. I was like, okay, God, something's got to change in my life. I remember saying, I give. I give up. What do you got for me? Are you real? Show me. And I experienced something that day that changed my life for the rest of my life. And I've been praying that some of you would experience that same thing today, but what I thought that day was that was the day I had to decide to let go. What I learned a couple summers ago is this is a decision we have to make our entire life, no matter how many years we've been following God. So a couple summers ago, I was at an anti-anxiety counseling facility out of state, just struggling. And, and my friend Corey sent me this song, ironically called Let, let Go. And he said, I've been writing this song for years, but just finished it with your situation in mind, and, and, I, and I hope it helps, and I hope you like it, and I started listening to this song over and over and over and over, and what I realized is, even though I've been following God for a long time, there were some things I wasn't receiving from Him because I was still holding on to some stuff. For me, I was holding on to anxiety, worry, 
what I realized is, is it gives me this false sense of being in control when I hold on to it. It's killing me. I hate it, but I hold on to it. Like I could be having the most perfect day in the world and everything is going right. And you know what I tend to do? I'll go like, I don't trust this. Something's about to go wrong. Coin's gonna turn. I'll figure out something to start worrying about. I go back to, to the anxious and worry. Why? Because I'm used to it. Just known it. We've known each other for a long time. And so it gives me a false sense of control. So I just hold on to it. And, and I was holding on to guilt and I was holding on to shame. I felt so stupid. I'm a pastor and I got to go to counseling for anxiety. Like, I was so embarrassed and so humiliated because I thought I was supposed to be perfect or something, which I'm not, not even close. I was holding on to guilt and shame and anxiety and worry. Listen, it's the last verse of the day. We don't have to. Psalm 46.10, put whatever you're holding on to in for anxiety. Surrender your anxiety. You, you can choose to let go. And then just be still and just realize that I'm God and I'm above it all. I'm above all the nations. I'm exalted throughout the whole earth. You can actually choose to let go. You might have to choose again in half an hour. You might have to choose again tomorrow. But right now in this moment, you can drop it. You can say, I surrender my anxiety, my depression, my fear, my worry. God, tell me again that I'm enough. Tell me again that you love me. Tell me again that you got me. God, may your peace and your power and your presence be all I need. And, and I'm going to ask you to just stay in your seat and just listen to the words of this song. And let the creator of the universe speak to you right now about how he feels about you right now. Listen to this. Come home, cause you're on the edge. 
beautiful Won't you just let go Yeah, it's better than what you dare to hope All you have to guys stand with me at every single location I don't know about you but I listen to that song I put it on repeat I dare you to do the same thing watch what God starts to do in your life we get to choose what we focus on that's the point the point of Easter is we can live differently it doesn't have to be a one-time deal he's alive and he's with me and his power's in me and he's got a plan, and he's in control, and I'm gonna remind myself of that today. I'm telling you, it changes the way we live. No matter what arenas we fight our battles in, right? God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your son. I thank you for Easter. I thank you that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. We've never earned it. We've never deserved it, but God, we're so grateful for it. And we thank you. With everyone's eyes closed. I want to ask two questions. I want to give you a chance to respond to what God might be doing in your heart right now. The first question is this. You already have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have for a long time, but you know he's been getting your attention today, and you just realize, like, there, there's something I want to let go of so that I can receive everything he has for me. Maybe for some it's anxiety or depression, fear, worry, shame, guilt, 
Whatever it is, you just know there's something I want to let go today and say, God, I want, I want you to replace it with your presence. If that's you right now at all locations, raise your hand, and I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Yeah, a whole bunch of us, church. It's real. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you can feel him trying to get your attention today. That's the creator of the universe drawing you into him with love. Not with condemnation, with love. Saying, I love you and I got something better for you. And you just know it, like this is my moment. I can feel it in my heart right now. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins and I'm gonna put my faith in him. I want his spirit that'll live within me here and now and I want heaven forever. And this is my time. If that's you right now, raise your hand at every single location. I'm gonna say a prayer for you. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. God behind bars, campuses, lift them up. Come on, Brussels, lift them up. Austin, Texas. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you. We can feel your presence with us right now. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for every person who raised their hand and said, I, I need some, I want to let go today. And I want to receive your presence and your power. God, I pray as we sing this last song of worship that weights would come off shoulders. That chest cavities would literally just begin to loose. We can breathe better. We start to feel lighter. Start to be encouraged. Start to walk with some confidence and some joy and some enthusiasm about where we're going and what you're doing in our life, even on the days we don't understand it. God, we thank you so much for your presence and for your son. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, one more song. The proper response, once you realize that the resurrection is for you, is what we see in John 20. Mary grabs his feet and worships. The disciples are overjoyed and they shout with worship. Thomas, who has so many doubts, I can't even, I don't even know if I can put my faith in Jesus. He experiences him for the first time and he says, oh my Lord, my God, and starts to worship. Our response, church, is our hands come out of our pockets and we start to get excited and we worship because we have something worth worshiping for. Let's go.